I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 26. And uh, to kind of set this up, Paul has been um, basically falsely accused by the Jews in Jerusalem. And they're going to kill him or try to. And he says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appeal to Caesar. And he tells them what's going on. And then by Acts 26, they have taken him from Jerusalem here to Caesarea, this city. And so I want to just walk through Acts chapter 26 with you for just a few moments before Holly and Caitlin sing. But it says as he's gone through, he's been speaking with Festus, he's been speaking with Felix, and uh, now King Agrippa is coming. And so uh, King Agrippa wants to hear what he has to say, so he starts in chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself because before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you're an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God day and night, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus the, of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I love it that God takes a man who hated Christianity, that tried to destroy it and made vows that he was going to destroy it forever. God turned him upside down in an encounter of, on the road to Damascus into probably the greatest apostle in the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He is credited as being the apostle to the Gentiles. And here he's testifying before the king in this city, in this Roman city, what you've just seen with the Hippodrome and this amphitheater and all the opulence that King Herod built this city with. It is here that he's standing before King Agrippa and Festus and Felix, and he's testifying about Jesus Christ. I love that he's fearless in this. So let me go on a little bit. Verse 12, it says, While this, uh, while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday O king along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me and when we had fallen to the ground I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language Saul Saul why are you persecuting me it is hard for you to kick against the goads a goad was like a a sharp pointed stick or almost like a spear that they would use as a cattle prod and they would prod animals with it to get them to where they were going and Jesus was telling him 
hey man, when you're coming against me, you're kicking against the goad. You're kicking against the prods. You're not going to help yourself any. So I said, who are you, Lord? I love it that he already answers his own question. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I don't think we realize as Christians the light we have inside of us. The Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Light dispels darkness. Darkness does not cover over light. When you turn light on, it makes darkness leave. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. You're going to turn people from darkness to light. That's the answer we have in Jesus. And he said, from the power of Satan to God. Unbelievers, those who do not serve Jesus, have a power of Satan over their life. And the Bible says that the light of the gospel inside of us that is meant to be a candlestick, put on a candlestick for the whole world to see, will crush that power. It will turn people from the kingdom of darkness to God. That's what we have inside of us. The same God who did this for Paul is here for us. Verse 19, and to use us in that way. Verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Paul was basically saying, Hey, you claim to be right with God, then I want you to repent, which means it's an about face. Repentance means literally a change of thinking. It means my mind is going one way and now I turn it another way. It's a military term that everyone was familiar with in those times, which is a 180 or an about face. And he says, listen, I want you to start living your life and showing your works that you have repented. Showing your life, repentance, uh, uh, your, your actions befitting repentance. And that is so amazing right there. Basically, it's what John the Baptist was preaching. Hey, show me you've repented by what your actions are now. We don't get saved by what we do, but we do when we get saved. It's supposed to change our lifestyle. We're supposed to behave differently. And that's what John the Baptist taught. That's what Jesus taught. And that's what Paul is teaching right here. So verse 21, he says, For these reasons... The Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than that which the prophets and Moses said would come. Basically, the Old Testament said this was going to happen. That the Christ would suffer and that he would be first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Again, light. Last uh, few verses here. Verse 24. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Festus said, man, you've gone crazy. Verse 25, but he said, I'm not mad, most feeble or most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, talking about Agrippa. For I'm convinced that none of these things, I'm convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. 
Verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. In other words, he can tell God's working on King Agrippa's heart. But verse 28 is one of the most saddest scriptures in the entire Bible. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today, might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except in these chains. I want you to notice something about Agrippa. He says, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. I just want to notice, want you to notice a couple things about the allure of riches and the glory of the world and what it pulls on people. Agrippa saw the splendor. He saw the opulence. It could be argued that outside of Rome, this may be the most opulent, lavish city in the entire world. He saw this. He simply realized, if I'm going to serve Jesus, I would have to give up this. And that time and day, he would. He couldn't give up the opulence of the world. He couldn't give up the flamboyance. He couldn't give up the riches for Jesus. That's why he says, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. There's a lot of temptations for Agrippa to, to give into that were here. From the nude ladies dancing, to the racing, to the gambling, to all this had to offer. But you know, we may not have exactly those temptations, but we have worldly temptations. My question is, what would be worth losing your soul? Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, for what profit is it a man that he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So what temptations might you struggle with that would cause you to shun God or to only let Him come into your life so far? What allures from the splendor of the world entice you to say almost God? See... Just like Agrippa, every one of us must come to grips with whatever the temptations are we face. It may not be the opulence of a great city. It may not be the lavishness of a lifestyle. But it could be other things. Family, money, a thousand other things. What will your answer be? Will you be like Agrippa that says, Almost God, I know I'm saved, but I'll give you these parts of my life, but not this part. When Jesus is saying, Man... I want the light to fully shine through your life. And in order to do that, I've got to have it all. He wants it all. Just the same when I got married to that beautiful redhead right over there 23 and a half years ago, I didn't get married to her for her to hold back part of her life. I didn't get married to her for her to say, well, let me just hang on to this one boyfriend. I mean, I'm still married to you. I'm just going to date him once a month. Would that be all right? No, that's not all right. You get married to me, you're all mine. And I'm all yours, baby. Here I am. It's the same way with God. God is saying the same thing to us. Agrippa, all of us. Will you give me every bit of your life? All of it. Even the things that you're hiding from maybe your spouse or those closest you think, well, I'll let God in so far, but I can't let him in here. Don't be the one that says, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to go with you all this way, but not all the way. Almost, you persuade me to give all my life. Let's be the ones that say, I'm 100% in like Paul. I'm all the way, Jesus. I'm all yours. 
whatever you want to do, let this light inside of me burst forth for all the world to see and to dispel that darkness. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.